Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I want to share a word that will basically dovetail on the rest of what's been preaching and you know, I want to praise God because during this time we've been, you know, isolated and in lockdown and whatever. Um, the word, the quality of the word that's coming out has been awesome, you know. And I think that by the end of this, uh, when we go back to physical church, there'll be no um, doubt in my mind that we are fully and ready loaded and ready to go. And um, it's like Jeff said, who would have thought that, uh, at the end of uh, 2019, who would have thought that we would be where we are? But here we are. And um, I praise God for every turn and every flex that ha- that's happened during this time, because I believe that, you know, my steps are ordered by God and that I delight in my way because he's the one that I've invited into my life to lord over my life. And so every time something happens, I, the first person I ask is, God, why? What are you doing? Not the government, not my husband, not my kids. And now that we've got a cat, not my cat. But, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so I want to just add something to that. And I want to call the, uh, the title of my message is Living It Out. You know, and one of the things that we need going forward is a sense of we are in this, what's happening with church and going forward, we're right in the middle of it. And I just want to say, you know, every single person that's here, that's listening, we are called by God for such a time as this. And um, I remember when I was young, and we were growing up, my parents were really about setting up good character in our lives. So character that would take us forward into the future, that would, that would teach us some things for the rest of our lives. And to achieve the goals, the goal of having good character, um, they, they put into place a few things and, they, and, they, um, and ways of doing things so that we would have that good character going forward. And if, if I think most of you know that I came from a family of 12, uh, seven brothers, four sisters. And so, you know, you had to have some rules and regulations in there, otherwise the mob would get quite unruly, apparently. I would never know. So one of them was to make sure that there was enough food to go around. When we were young, we didn't have a lot. My father was a farmer, but um, in those days, you know, you worked hard on the land and whatever you had in your hand at the end of the day, that's what you had. And you had to share it around with all these kids. And so part of something that we learned as good manners was that when we went to serve ourselves or put food on our plate, we had to make sure that there was some for us and some for somebody else. And, um, and that's taken me into good stead over my you know, over my life, I've made sure that everybody in the room is is okay, and they've got what they need, and they're happy. And that's just one of the character things that my parents put in place. 
And we also had our roles in the family. Because I was number 11, uh, my role was to babysit. So whenever we had a family gathering, um, I got to stay home, look after all the kids, which I didn't mind because it was good fun, you know. And so my role was to was to babysit all the all the kids so that my older brothers and sisters could go out on the on the town for the night and have a good time and the kids will be well looked after. So the things that we learned, they weren't legal codes or moral codes, and they weren't even a set of rules to, to which we were bound, but they were inbuilt, unwritten codes. I, I would assume that every single one of us listening to this have got inbuilt, unwritten codes that you've got in your lives from when your parents raised you up. And everybody in the family adhered to these rules. Um, and it was, in fact, if you stuck to these, 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 sorry, not rules, these codes, then you got respect from the rest of the family. And it's no different in the family of God. We, there's an unwritten set of uh, codes that we all live by when we're living together in a faith family. And so as we come out of the pandemic, we've heard the messages regarding resetting our lives from James and doing five shifts. Um, you know, I was saying to him this morning, I've got to get those five shifts on the inside of my heart. Keep remembering, off, keep remembering them off by heart. And so he was coaching me. And that never ends well, does it? When your husband coaches the wife, it never ends well, that one. <laughs> so we, um, but it was good. It was good. It was good for him to be able to, you know, for us to really uh, assume those um, shifts. And also, Pastor Phil, he talked about the harvest fields and mobilizing the church. And that's pretty much the um, prophetic word that Faith had this morning. Mobilizing the church because the harvest is ready. We're ready. And then, of course, last week's um, preach, Sue said, it's about we need to be pouring out. We need to start giving out from ourselves. It's not an inward look that we have, but it's an out, outward look. And we need to be looking out to other people and pouring out into the, what little we might have. That was the thing that got me. It might have been a hip flask. Not that I know what a hip flask is or anything. It might have been... <laughs> It might have been a huge bottle. It might have been a, you might have a bucket full of something to give, but whatever you have, pour it out, pour it out, begin. And my immediate, um, and by the prophetic word, sorry, we've been encouraged to embrace the new thing that God has said he's doing in the world. And we're feeling that there's going to be a new normal. As James says, how do we know where the church, what is church going to be like? How is it going to be like when we go back? It's definitely not going to be the same because we've all changed. We've all grown. We've all been confronted because silence confronts you. You've only left with your own thoughts. But our normal is going to be different and it's not going to be church as we know it. And I'm excited. Um, you know, and my immediate reaction is, is, of course, amen, yes, Lord, bring it on. But sometimes we say that to phrases. Um, we say, yes, Lord, bring it on. And we don't even know what that means. I remember we were with a, a bunch of people from a church and the latest catch cry was, you know, the uh, curtain has been rent in two. And everybody was going around, the curtain's been rent in two, the curtain's been rent in two. 
And then when we were together with a few people, just quietly, they were saying, what does that even mean? You know? And sometimes we can say yes and amen. It's like when I was with my nephew that time in the car and we were sat at a stop sign waiting for the gap in the traffic. And my nephew says to me, come on, auntie, fang it. And I said to him, I would if I knew how to fang, you know. <laughs> and sometimes there are, there are phrases we use, we are sent to stuff, and yet really in the back of our minds we're thinking, eh, how does it, what does that even look like? What is that? Do you know? And um, here's the thing, we know the plan by the shifts. We know what we need to do. We need to be mobilized. And we know what we need to be mobilized in, that's the pouring out. But there's just one thing. There's one thing. And that one thing is, what about me? How do I do this? I know that I know that Pastor Phil can do it. I know that Pastor James can do it. I know that Christine Dyson can do it. I know that all these people can do it. But what about me? Where do I fit? How, do it, how does it work for me? You know, and so this is something that I want to talk about today. It's about having the strength of character, having the strength and character, and what even is that strength of character to be a part of this great movement. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus was with a crowd who have surrounded him, and he's just finished preaching the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, verse 3 to 11, and he's on a roll. I mean, Jesus is always on a roll, but this time he is specifically on a roll. And the Beatitudes have a major importance in Christian lives. They're the words from Jesus that shed light on our lives on how to know and meet God. So it says this, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. It's not just a desire to see God or be called children of God, but there is a character existing within those people, within their lives, within their hearts, to be able to see God. They have, have to have a pure heart. To be called children of God, they are peacemakers. Do you know what I'm saying? So you just cannot just, it's, it's like you just don't turn up and say, I want to see God. And, and, and the scripture says, well, have you got a pure heart? It's that strength and character. In Matthew 5, it is clear that Jesus sees God's laws, not simply in terms of how people should behave, that's the outward thing, but also in terms of who they really are. That's verses 21 to 48. And 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 10 puts it like this. This is a really good scripture. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. Wow, God. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, sharing his divine nature with us and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence 
and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. It's like a line upon line, precept upon precept. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind. Wow, that's a bit ouchy. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, within that whole thing, God is just saying, I have geared you up. You're ready. Anything you need, here it is. But I need for you, you know, this is, the, this, this is when we have a relationship with God. There's a, a, a relationship is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And there's him saying, all of these things I've given you. Now I want you to assume my, uh, to, to assume the character that I want to, want you to have. And in Matthew 5, going back to Matthew 5, Jesus presents six laws and explains the type of behavior that he expected from his disciples. And he was saying to the disciples, if you want to team up with me, this is the type of character I will expect from you. You know, when we hang with the Lord, we must expect that we're going to have to step up to the plate. We can't just bring our, this is who I am, um, you know, and um, that sort of attitude. But Lord, I really, really want to hang with you. And I want to be with you. I want to team up with you. And this is what the Lord was saying. And in Matthew 5, verse 21 to 25, he teaches about anger. And it says, don't commit, uh, don't commit murder. But this is what the Lord says. If you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. Wow, that's definitely a step up. Don't call anyone an idiot. And I thought to myself, whoa, how many times have I done that this, you know, these last six weeks? Or you are in danger of being brought before the courts, courts of heaven, I would suggest. Never curse someone, or you are in danger of the fires of hell. And, you know, I might not curse somebody outwardly, but in my heart, I'm thinking, you know, idiot yes that sort of thing and and, and it goes even further that than that and this is this is one that uh, a lot of people don't understand if you know someone has something against you leave your offering to the lord aside and you go and reconcile to that person and then come back to me when you look at that you look at that type of um you know, if that's what the Lord is saying, it's all on me to do what I need to do. If that's the step up, because the world says today, this is the worldly view. I'm entitled to feel the way I am. And I don't know why, but it's seeped into the church. I'm entitled to feel the way I am. But the Lord's basically saying, hey, you're on my team. 
you do the deed. You know somebody's hurt you. I want you to go and sort it out. And also Jesus says this, when you go to court with an adversary, an, en an enemy, I'm saying an employer, a neighbor, a family member, you settle your differences. Don't wait for them to come to you. Lord's saying to you, you're on my team, you go and settle it. You're the one that I've filled with my spirit. You're the one that I've, I've given a part of my nature to. You do it. Settle your differences quickly, lest you be handed over and thrown into prison. Should anything else come out? Do you know, it's getting a little bit uncomfortable. Even talking, me talking to myself, something I don't do often, honestly, it gets uncomfortable. What about teaching about adultery? Matthew 5, verse 27, 30, the law says, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, don't even look at a woman or another man with lust in your eyes because you will have already committed adultery. Hey, and even if your eye causes you to lust, cut it out, throw it away. I mean, that's pretty, whoa, that's pretty edgy. And your hand, if that causes you to sin, chop it off. I mean, ouch. Better to lose one part of your body than your whole body to sin. I mean, it, that is definitely stepping up, isn't it? It's really stepping up. And it all comes back to us as followers of Christ to, be, to do all that we can to keep that love between people. Okay, are you guys all right? Keep going to the next one. <laughs> okay, here's the teaching about divorce. The, the law says in the Old Testament that a man should just give his wife a certificate of divorce if no longer if she no longer pleases him. What? So give give her a certificate of divorce, and then she can go off and marry another. But if she doesn't please the second husband, she can't go back to the first one. I'm asking the question as a woman: Who would want to? Amen. Amen. She cannot go back to the first husband. It is an abomination. And Jesus says, if a man divorces his wife, unless she has been faithful, he is the one that causes her to commit adultery if she marries again. It's putting the blame back on the person who knows the Lord. It's putting the blame back where it should be and freeing other people up. What about the teaching about vows? Matthew 5, verse 33 to 37. The law says you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. In Old Testament days, there was a lot of rules between a man and his wife and a father and his daughter in her youth who lived in her father's house, which would bind the whole family up, even for generations, if the, no if the oath was not fulfilled. And this is the Lord's take on it. If you, you know, this is the Lord's take on it. Don't even make vows. Don't even go there. A simple yes or no would be enough. Let's not bind anyone up to an oath in case they cannot fulfill the vow and that carries on through the gen generations. You know, when you don't ask a person uh, to make a vow towards you, then you carry the risk yourself. And that's what God's saying, because in that whole thing, you can hear God say, you carry the risk because I've got you. I've got you.
teaching about revenge, Matthew 5, 38 to 42, the law says what a punishment that a punishment, sorry, must match the injury inflicted. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You kill me, kill someone in my family, I'll kill someone in your family. You steal something from me, I'll steal something from you. And so it goes on and on, once again, binding up the generations. Jesus says, don't resist the evil person. If he slaps you, say to him, slap me again. <laughs> Slap me again. If you are sued and caught and lose your coat, give them your shirt as well. If someone makes you carry their bags just the one mile, say, I, I'll carry it another mile for you. Give and don't turn your back on those who want to borrow from you. Always, always go that extra mile. And, you know, doing these things um, is a godly thing to do. This is the right thing to do. But so often we use that phrase, not my problem. I don't even have to get involved. And the Lord is, you know, I believe in this time as we're going ahead, as we're starting to do things like mobilize, shift. It's all about God wants us to have a view of his view of releasing people and loving people. So <clears throat> loving your enemies, Matthew 5. Verse 43 to 47 says, love your neighbors. And Jesus says, ah, just not just your neighbors. Love your enemies. Love that woman that gets up your nose. Love that guy that you can't stand because he talks too much. Pray for those who persecute you. You mean, you what, Lord? Pray for those ones who are giving me a hard time? Yeah, that's the next step up. For if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? He, yeah, the scripture's right. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So we've placed a line in the sand, haven't we? And uh, everybody else does it like this. The people in the world do this. We say things like, uh, you know, I'm not going there. I have every right. I've been hurt. They've done me over. I'm, I'm not going to go even go there. But the Lord's saying, pray for them. Pray for these enemies of yours. They've gossiped about you. The family member who has put you down, and you say, that's it. Nothing more to do with that person. And the Lord's saying, nah, you've got to pray for them. That family member that keeps doing you over, you know, you, you give them something and then the next thing, they want something again and, and, you know, they keep lying to you. Go back, go back and try and make your peace. That may not always mean that you give them what they want. It just means that you are the one. It's on you. If you're in Jesus's team, it's on you to be that person that brings peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. That was the scripture that came from the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. And uh, that's not even on my notes, but I just want to ask somebody here today. Are you going to be the peacemaker in your family? Or are you just going to say, actually, I don't want anything to do with them because they drive me crazy. And they always kick me in the teeth when I'm down. I believe God is saying to you, you've got to man or woman up and start making peace. It's on you.
it's on you because it has been in your heart, in your mind. It's in your mind when you make up, wake up. It's in your mind when you're doing something for some, some other person and God is saying, come on, come on. It's up to you to make peace. So that was a freebie for nothing. You see, every single one of those examples stems from two things. Be more focused on God's goodness toward the other person involved. Seeing them released. Seeing them um, put in a place where they can live their lives with a free conscience and that they are not bound up by your judgment, by our judgment. They're not bound up. By the, by the things that we know about them and the, the things that we, you know, that, that hold them, we are got to be focused on the goodness of God. And also, following Jesus, there is an expectation that we give him our heart without revelation, without a reservation, without reservation. So... You know, this, this is the word I've got today. That's all I've got to bring. But I want to say this. For us to move forward, this is the type of thing. If we're going to be on team with Jesus, this is the type of thing. These are the types of character traits that we need. But also, when you begin to dwell on these things, letting people go, letting the past go, letting past hurts go, you know, we ask God for love. We ask him to love us. We hurt him time and time again, but we ask him to love us. We need to do the, go and do the same. Amen. We need to understand that the Lord wants us on board, but we have to be not only warriors and skilled in, in warfare and battle, but we need to be warriors of the heart. We need to have a heart that's clear, a heart that's willing to go the extra mile. And the way ahead for us will mean shifting, mobilizing, and pouring. Can you do it? The answer in the words of the great prophet Bob the Builder, yes, you can. <laughs> you can do it. So you have everything you need right in front of you. And I just want to go back to that scripture in Second Peter where it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called himself, called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's cor corruption caused by human desires. So the answer, can I do it? Bob the Builder? Yes, we can. But the yes, real we can. The real question is this, will you do it? That's it. Will you do it? Yes. And I, I know that ahead of us, God has, um, there's a great landscape out there. I remember one day um, I had this, when we began Faith Points, I remember this one day that uh, I had a dream. And in this dream, I walked into this house and the house was on the, on the side of a, a cliff, was sitting on the, perched on the edge of a cliff. And I remember going into the house thinking, this is just a normal everyday house. And I opened the doors and looking out towards, towards the scenery, it was perched on the edge of a cliff and I could see for miles. And God was saying to me, this is Faith Point. 
we will be when people see you they'll think it's just a little church it's just nothing but when you get within god has called us to do amazing things and the panoramic view involved seeing the rest of the world it was just perched on the top of a mountain and i could see for miles and miles and i believe god i remember god saying to me you know what you want to, you want to know what faith point will do whatever she wants but we need to be able to hold the character to hold our course to be able to say god i'm uh, jesus i'm on your team and jesus is saying this is what i expect so my question today is not can you because you can but will you amen let's just close our eyes now i just want to pray Father, we thank you today that you are indeed a good God. And Lord, you've been with us from the beginning of lockdown right up until this time. And I'm aware, Father God, that you have placed in this church great men and women who would, if only they will, who would do things for you if only they would, uh, only they will. So God, I pray today that you would begin again Lord God, to speak to our hearts, Lord, especially about those family members that we need to go talk to, to make peace with. And especially for those amongst us who have got outstanding um, differences with people. My God, I pray that this would be a church of peacemakers. Maybe they won't get what, what uh, the outcome they want, but Lord, they've made the right step towards it. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us, each one of us, so that we would be not warriors of spiritual battles, but also warriors of the heart, Father God, that we would be strong in heart, that we would be, as you said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Those things that are in our hearts, Father God, that you've placed in there, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they would come to the fore now as we go into the next part of what you have planned for us as individuals, as the faith community, as Christians in the kingdom. My God, help us to open our hearts. Help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, James. Thanks, Viv. You know, guys, uh, just as Viv was praying there, um, I just had the, the distinct impression at the moment we're borrowing a uh, vehicle and it's got a foot brake on it. And, um, you know, I'm the old traditional handbrake man. Uh, you know, you've got a physical handbrake that you actually pull off the dashboard or off the floor and, uh, and it engages the handbrake. And, you know, I have a continual problem of forgetting that the handbrake is on when it's a foot brake. You've actually got to push your foot on the, on the brake to engage and disengage. And so I often drive off and the handbrake's on. Um, and this is what I felt the Holy Spirit was saying through that challenge uh, and what a challenge those words of Jesus are. What a whole new level of living uh, following Jesus really is. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a higher level. Um, but as Viv has rightly quoted from Peter, we have divine power to fulfill that level of living. It's all in us. Christ is with us. And I, so the feeling that I had this morning is that sometimes we forget like forgetting to take that foot break off. We try and engage in our day, head off into our day, 
and we, we're wondering why it's a bit sluggish, we're wondering why we're a bit slow and feeling a bit restrained, is because the foot breaks still on. Those, those things that people may have said against you, those snide comments towards you, those jealousies, those envies, and, uh, and we place ourselves into a potential victim mindset saying, I can't do anything about this, but Jesus says you can. You've just got to remember where the footbreak is and you've got to take it off. You've got to remember that I've given you this divine power to overcome. I've given you everything you need to be able to move forward in your walk and bring others with you because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in me. You know, the life we live now, we live by faith in the Son of God and His resurrection power. And so I want to really encourage you, man, we're, we're moving forward in these dark last days, but we're moving forward as a triumphant bride. We're moving forward as the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and we're not going to allow the enemy to restrict and restrain us uh, and to put a victim mentality on us that you can't do this because you don't have what it takes. We have everything through his divine power and his divine nature to make forward progress and steps. So in Jesus' name, release that foot break. In Jesus' name, release that handbrake off your life and don't settle for anything less than what Christ has said you're able to accomplish. If Jesus said you can forgive, you can forgive. You know, if Jesus said that you're able to stand up against persecution and against your enemies, you can. If Jesus said you can go the second mile, the third mile, the fourth mile, you can do it. So this morning, I release you from underneath the lies of the enemy. I bind those lies. I break their power over our minds. And I release the truth of God's word into your spirit today. In the mighty, precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give him all the praise and all the glory.